Welcome back to the Nightcap Podcast. This is definitely not my third time going through this intro to start off the podcast, which can be found on CBS Sports Radio, 1140.radio.com, along with all of our Vegas Golden Night NHL and sports-related content. My name is Lindsey Brown, your host, always and forever. You can find me on Twitter at LindseyBrown35. That's Lindsey with an E-Y and one Y at the end with an I after the L. And on the Instagrams at Linz, L-I-N-D-S, Brown35 for all of the videos. I just took a ton of videos with our guest for today, who's not really a guest per se anymore. You're, we're going we're gonna to bump you up to at least a regular. Don't talk yet. Now you can talk. <laughs> today, I am joined by the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Quiggy Quigs. And I am a legend. You are a legend. It is me. It it's is me. you. It's Ryan Quigley here at RP underscore Quigs on Twitter. Uh, yeah, it's good to be here. I'm, uh, I'm pretty fired up, man, after uh, after last night's win uh, against the oh. Calgary Flames. Oh, was there a win last night? The there? Knights did, in fact, play a game of ice hockey. They did. Not they- roller hockey. Ice hockey. Ice hockey. Against the Calgary Flames, which very funny, just f- fire and ice, you know. It's like, uh, you know. That was a nice throne, Game of Thrones segue there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I appreciate about, you. You know what's fun? I was about to start singing the song "Fire and Rain" by uh, I set fire that one to no, the rain, no, no, Adele. No. no, no, by James Taylor. All right, well, we're in clearly two different zones completely right now. Different completely different zones. Before music. we get everything going on the Golden Knights here, where can we find all of your great stuff? Twitter Ryan? rp underscore quigs. That is my personal Twitter account, where you will find lots of gifts, lots of pretty much nonsense most most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can also find some of my work at Nights on Ice. If you don't follow Nights on Ice already, you should because I. That's where all of our gifts are. We we have kind of that's I guess our brand. Gifts do, are a very big thing. We do lots of gifts. Every little thing going on in the game, I make a gift for it. Throw it on on the uh, Twitter machine, and um, yeah. So if you like that and you want a more visual visual, my God, we can't start over again. Vis- <laughs> visual Sorry. representation of what's going on in the game, and you can't physically watch it. Then uh, yeah, you should probably give that a follow, and then also. At Hockey Wilderness with one S. Um, I also cover the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> now that we've gotten all the all the checklists down, we've said what we needed to say. Obviously, CBS Sports Radio 1140 podcast, podcast network. Goodness gracious. Ryan and I just returned from the Blue Ox Tavern where my Minnesota Vikings just kicked the absolute snot out of the Philadelphia Eagles. And, Ryan, you're a big Eagles fan. Yeah, I am. And uh, it was not a memorable day for you. It was for us. So we won't delve too deep into football since this is the Nightcap Podcast and it is hockey-related. So back to the game last night. Golden Knights beat the defending Pacific Division champions from last year, the Calgary Flames, 6-2 to last night at T-Mobile Arena. Yeah. All right. So I want to say this because I feel like a lot of people are saying, like, oh, we just, like, destroyed him. Like – I think the game was actually closer yes. than the score indicated. They just kind of went crazy in the third period because and it all stems back to, and this is, I'm all over the place when rehashing this game, but it's okay. um, that the saves that Marc-Andre Fleury made at the end of the second period, mm-hmm. that that really did set the tempo for a massive third period for Vegas. Yep, and, and we'll get more into that kind of sequence of events towards the end of that second period a few minutes from now. But before we get to that, let's kind of start from the beginning of the game. Knights jump out to a lead, which they do very yeah. often. They yes. get up; to, they usually get up a couple of goals. They score in bunches because this is a north to south team, and not very high scoring ability team, but also can have a, a tendency to give up a lot of goals in short bunches as well. And that's something that was again revisited for the Golden Knights in that victory last night. But Nozick 
opens up the store. Is it yeah, Nozick? Nozak? I say Nozick, Nozick, but I know that's wrong. I know we'll it call is. call him Nosey Nose yeah. for fun. <laughs> yeah, that's better. Well, I, uh, nicknames are my thing. He he opened up the scoring with... Uh, with he's the, been good. He has been good. He, like he's he's, not, he's nothing amazing, so nothing incredible, but mm-hmm. he has been contributing offensively. More than I feel like people were expecting him to. Absolutely. And and just the way that goal was scored, I believe that was the one where there was an initial shot and then Nosey went in, basically attempted to dig the puck out because he knew that the that the uh, Flames goaltender, who did not have a fun time last night. No, he did not. Um, he knew that he, he didn't have a, a really good idea of where that puck was, started to dig it out and ended up being able to poke it through on a weird rebound and open up scoring pretty early in the game, just three minutes into the first period. Quick, just quick, shameless plug. I was really, so it was David Riddich and net for Calgary last night. Yes. Last time. 33. Well, it may not have been the last time, but like last season when the Knights and Flames faced each other in mm-hmm. Vegas, there was a, there was like a big scrum in the Vegas end and Flurry like dropped his gloves and was like looking at Riddich like, you want to, you want to have a goalie fight? I, I, I was <laughs> hoping that they were going to do it tonight. Like, they did. I knew they the weren't going to. second, gonna, like, almost fight for Marc-Andre Fleury this season yeah. already. There's yeah. been a couple of them. And he, and, and the, I mean, obviously the, the fans know Marc-Andre Fleury pretty well. It's his third season here. He's obviously pretty much the face of the fran- franchise since arriving here with the team. It, uh, he's a pretty goofy guy. Yeah. He doesn't strike me as a fighter but, or an aggressive person, yeah. but he strikes me as someone who's being like, well, everybody else is doing it, so I got to exactly. do it too. Exactly, like he would do it because it's right. fun. Right, it's fun. he's like, let's like, just let's just punch each other, yeah. like because it's fun. Like <laughs> it's let's just beat time. the crap out of each other for funsies. What is better than just hitting someone? Like, I mean, I don't know. I I've well, never like I, actually fought someone. Yeah, and I don't take pleasure in inflicting pain on others. You but know, you're actually, from you're a Philly fan, yeah, so that's something that do, you're familiar with. I do with. have roots. I'm not even from Philadelphia. I know, which is like, even worse because you chose them. I chose to be like you, them. You chose and the so, darkness. You did. <laughs> I did. And yeah. So like maybe it's just violence is in our blood. I don't know. Absolutely. And but. and and the big thing, at least that I took away from that game last night, which. Nosey opens up the scoring, and then one goal for the rest of the – that was the only goal in the first period. one nothing. they go to the locker room, and then Calgary comes out, gets two quick goals pretty much right off the bat and about four exactly minutes into the second period. And this is what we were talking about earlier in the week. Mm-hmm. Like these early goals. Like they come – like Vegas starts the period – Like, well, not – I sound like I'm talking about one particular period because it's a common occurrence, but mm-hmm. like it seems like Vegas too often comes out and just allow, immediately allows – one or two goals to start a period or to end a period. Right. And that is that shifts momentum greatly. Absolutely. And and they didn't let goals that those goals to start off the second period like right away where it was like a minute right into the period like you just mentioned. But form usually you try to break up a period because it's twenty minutes long, five minutes, five four four periods within one period, five minute shifts essentially. You don't want to let in any goals period. You definitely don't want to let in any goals in that first minute or so. Uh, but that first five is really about setting the tone for the team, setting what kind of energy you're going to be bringing out on the ice for the for that period or for the rest of that game. The Knights were under duress to start that second period, and they've had this tendency not to, not to, like you said, to get scored on, but just in general, starting a little bit slow, starting a little bit uh, just disjointed, especially in the defensive zone. And thankfully last night, after those quick couple of goals, which were 33 seconds apart, which I think it's happened already once this season, yeah. where they've sco- either scored goals or had two goals against them 33 seconds apart. Uh, after that first couple minutes then they started to settle in and the more that I've watched them and granted limited sample size thus far still uh they do not do well they being the Vegas Golden Knights 
on the long change when it comes to basically communicating defensive zone coverage. Because obviously with the long change, that means your goalie's in the opposite zone to your bench. So it's a long change for your defenseman. It's a long change for your forwards. But the defensemen are what you really worry about. And when you're dealing with odd man rushes, that's where the second period can be such a killer for teams built like Vegas that are built to go north to south, to be streaky, to get pucks up and out of the zone, and to also let pucks into the zone relatively quickly. But the thing that I thought really changed everything midway through that second period, and there there is evidence of it in the first period even, was Mark andre Fleury's activity as a puck handler last yes, night. Yes, yeah. And David Riddich's failures as yes, a puck handler. Yes, and... It, none, of, none of them resulted in a goal, but nope. my God, you can see... A couple times it was close, though. Yeah, like when you see Mark andre Fleury handling the puck compared to like some other goalies in the NHL, mm-hmm. it really makes you appreciate just how freaking good he is when he has the puck on a stick right and he's able to maneuver it into areas where it, it's a safe you know like right. he's not going to turn it over or anything like that and then you have guys like riddich who just, right you know it's not pretty when they have it and the, and the thing that mark andre Fleury does so well when he's handling that puck is that obviously calgary and there are other teams in the pacific Div- division that are undersized and speedy teams so a lot of times they rely on those quick line changes quick shifts that are it's not even a minute. It's like 30, sec- 30 to 40 seconds. And to get that type of line change rhythm going, you have to dump and chase a lot. And if Marc-Andre Fleury doesn't have the ability that he does to handle the puck where he's going out behind the net to stop it and either start the breakout where he just stops it, leaves it for his defenseman, or stopping a different dump and then setting up, drawing a, a Calgary Flame forechecker to him and then shovel passing off to the outlet to the sidewall – all of these different little decisions that go into it. It happens so quickly, and it's it's unnatural for a lot of goaltenders in today's NHL because obviously around the lockout, 05-06, that's when they introduced the trapezoid that everyone sees behind yeah. the nets where Marty Brodeur, one of my absolute idols, was one of the best puck-handling goaltenders of all time. And that trapezoid was kind of – that rule was – brought in because of him because he was so good at getting these passes up the ice creating scoring chances out of a breakout himself from the goaltender and so they wanted to make it a little bit harder on the on the tendies put him in the trapezoid and we saw a little bit of a, of a regression when it comes to puck handling with 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 goaltenders and I was thinking about this last night as well now that we've seen the last season and a half or so we're seeing a lot more noticeability of a of a goaltender's ability to move a puck. And yeah. I think it's kind of in response to the shift in the league that happened about five or six years ago where all of a sudden everybody started having goalies that were like 6'5". And when you're a big goalie, that means you usually don't skate as well, which means you don't leave your crease as much, which means you don't handle the puck as often. So maybe teams like Calgary, who are undersized and speedy, use that to their advantage to dump the puck more, to take that their team and their tools that they have and shoving it right into the defensive zone of their their opposition, Flurry or other goaltenders that were playing the puck as well as he does, that's a way to counteract that, a way to kind of stop momentum being built for the other team. And I think that's exactly what happened in that victory last night. Right, yeah. Like, it, it, well, first of all, I actually kind of want to ask, quite, you might know this, this mm-hmm. isn't like totally relevant. Who's yes. the all-time assists? Ooh, let me let me Google that. That's for something you. I that's, a, that's a very wondered. good idea. Marty has to be up there, though. I really think. I would so. assume he is. NHL, start talking while I search this. Well, it's interesting that you bring up the trapezoid. In it was like the kind of like a Brodeur rule. You know Basically. what I mean? The whole time. So I started watching hockey in like 2011, 2012, or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So like 
not that long ago, really. And this whole time, I never really knew the origin of why the trapezoid was created. Mm-hmm. And I just assumed it was for goalie safety for some reason. Did that have anything to do with The NHL usually doesn't. I mean, they take it into account as much as they need to. But clearly, goalies are usually on their S list when it comes to changes to the game. They get their pads messed with all the time in terms of size. They just got them messed with last year. Exactly. It's every year there's something else with the goaltenders. Because the league is obviously trying to incentivize more scoring. Because that makes it more exciting to the fans, to the audience, to getting new fans into the game. Because... We're, we're a short attention span culture that needs a lot of scoring and needs a lot of speed. And hockey is better in person. So on TV, you want to have high scoring games. And the way that you do that is limiting the ability that the goaltender has outside of their crease. And that's why that trapezoid was implemented because Broder can make those passes. But then that's also changing the entire dynamic. I mean, where he could just hold the puck in the zone, get the defense to come down. You can just chill for a while and right. kill time, right. and that drives me nuts. But that it's it's one of those rules cha- rule changes that was definitely a necessary evil in terms of getting the league to take a step into the modern sports, you know, watcher. Because otherwise, it was just trap trap zones, dump and chase two two to one victories all over the Minnesota Wild. That was their bread and butter back in the day right, because they were right. so good de- defensively. And the league's like, that's great, but we want one of those games and five high-scoring games instead, instead of being, like, three and three, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. What's oh. interesting about Flurry, like, y- you can tell, you can you can pick up on his ability to play the puck, like, really with one game watching him. Just oh, because absolutely. Of, he's so aggressive. Especially last night, yeah, because he was so active and had so many different uh, opportunities and different looks. Yeah, I can't remember if it was last night or if it was against Arizona or Boston. I, man, the, everything blends together. It does. It's so, like... Um, but I remember there was one point where he like kind of loose puck was just kind of coming into the Vegas zone. He comes out of his net and he mm-hmm. goes and gets it. And like there, it's not like he was, there was no, yeah. there's pressure. Yeah. There's yeah he's drawing pressure. the pressure. Just yeah. like I said. Yeah. And he does that all the time, all the time. And like, then you see him doing this, the classic vintage flurry. You got a guy coming in for a breakaway and then like he, just before he can get to the puck, here comes Flurry like a wrecking ball, and then he just like pokes the puck away. Right, and it's like this whole. This if big... you if you want to see some badass poke checks from back in the day, certain the nineties were like hugely crazy for goalie yeah, poke checks. Yeah. Rob Stauber, who played uh, some spent some time with the Kings, but was mainly known for winning a Hobie Baker as a goaltender for the Minnesota Golden Gopher team back in the day. He used to just destroy people when he would go out and poke check the puck. And Flurry <laughs> is obviously no stranger to being active inside the crease, outside the crease. Nonetheless, I have your all-time assist leaders for NHL goalies. Number one, where's Brodeur? Is it Brodeur? Oh, we'll get there. Number one, Tom Basar Barrasso. Tom Barrasso. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. He had forty-eight assists. Following up, pretty good company. Grant Fuhr. Oh, not so bad. Forty-seven assists. Marty Brodeur with forty-five. Patrick Waugh with 45, Mike Vernon rounding out the top five assist leaders for goaltenders all time with 39 assists. So Brodeur and and Waugh are tied, which is, that's, those are my, those are my dudes. Those are my dudes. And so, uh, it's uh, funny just how interconnected they are with pretty much everything. Everyone talks about like, who's the best goalie of all time. And you have some people who say Brodeur, other people say Waugh. And now you got that. And and I know that's not like really like a stat many people pay attention to, but Mm -hmm. it's just same era, basically the same career length and and both with successful and and storied franchises. I mean, the Avalanche kind of walked into being a storied franchise because they were obviously the Quebec Nordiques before moving down to Colorado. And I think they won a cup. 
I think they were in the final their first year, but that different that expansion team is different than a relocation right, team. Right. Um, we will make that distinction, especially in this town. Who else impressed you last night for uh, for the Knights, other than Marc Andre Fleury's just dominant performance yeah. all over the all over the map? Um, let me see. I think I liked how um. I liked how Glass was playing. Or, excuse me, not Glass. Eakin. Uh, the yes, two coaches. he returned was good for his see, first game of the it year. Was, it was good to see him back on the ice. Um, and I was talking to, I believe it was uh, Ken and Jason from uh, Sinbin.Vegas. You might know who they are. Um, I was talking to them a little bit. And we we all just kind of agreed up in the press box. Like, yeah, hey, they look, they just seem to be more more like the team that Calm. we've known. Yeah. yeah, when he was out there. Yeah. Um, which I, I understand. He's a veteran guy. You know, mm-hmm. he's – I don't know how much of a leader he is in the locker room, but I would assume he is very much a He's leader. a glue guy. Yeah. He's, 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 he's not necessarily probably going to be a lead voice, but he's going to be the one that echoes the voice in case, right. you know, the stragglers are kind of wandering away from the message. Yeah. He had a couple nice scoring chances last Absolutely. night. Absolutely. One of them set up by the other Cody, Cody mm-hmm. Glass. So many um, Cody's. Nice – uh, one time chance, but David Riddish made the Got stop. All so. of it too. Yeah, all of that it. was a big time. Big that's a big slap. time yeah, shot. Huge slap. Caught, caught Riddick up high as well, and I was yeah. worried because I was like, "Oh, he might." How many hit. shots did David Riddick take in the face last night? A lot. Did it seem like there were more than there usual? is a lot of shots flying up high, but. Granted, we watch a lot of uh, Vegas Golden Knight practices, and they're shooting high every time. Right, so should yeah. we, we really shouldn't be that surprised. Um, Eakin, I think offers such a huge calming presence to this team. And it's not so much based off of his skill and his abilities as a player, but the fact that when you reinsert him into the lineup, that puts everybody back down the depth chart that were had to be moved up when he was gone. Yeah. And sometimes you can make do and they obviously made, they, they didn't go, they've, they've won games. They've won games without him, but on the defensive zone, especially he is so important in terms of minute management with the top guys as well because when you have a Cody Glass, per, for example, or just a younger player in general, you don't want to necessarily always put them out on defensive zone faceoffs. You want them to get offensive chances too, and then depending on how the game is going, you need to have some of your best guys out there. With Cody Eakin back in the lineup, he brings those minutes, brings that presence that allows those younger guys to be pushed back down a little bit, get some more uh, settling experience where it's not so pressure pressure riddled, and you allow guys like Mark Stone, like Riley Smith, like right, right. Wild Bill Carlson to get some rest once in a while because a lot of those guys, a lot of those guys, especially through these first few games, there have been a lot of penalties called, and when you when you're spending so much time on special teams, remember you have certain players that are meant for the power play and certain players that are meant for the PK, and sometimes. They play both. So those are added extra minutes on top of their five-on-five play. So Eakin is a huge, huge pressure point on this team in terms of being successful defensively and just because if you're good defensively, you're going to be able to generate more chances offensively. That's different energies being shifted around, different momentums being shifted around. And I think he played very well last night. I thought, I thought he didn't, he didn't look like he missed missed any time. He didn't look really rusty. No, like like maybe early, but like even that, he seemed to be flying around the ice pretty well. And it's not like this. He's coming back from like an ACL. No, he's coming back from, for the most part, a pretty minor injury. Nothing insane. Yeah. And he's not obviously on this team to be a goal scorer, but he is here to offer support scoring, to offer his services as, as a grinder, as a playmaker. And it's just overall, 
he's a big time to a uh, big time player to add back into this lineup. Obviously, still Alex Tuck is week to week. Nate Schmidt is still out. Uh, we'll be awaiting their their returns as well. But based off of last night, and and you said it to me after the game too. You thought last night was kind of a must. It's not a must win because yeah, it's so early it's this early season. early season, but like they needed to get that win. Confidence-wise, like, they needed it Yeah, badly. because they played two awful games. Yes. Like the Boston game, they had like a couple minutes where they were looking really good, like early flat. on. Yeah, flat. and then they just they just weren't playing well for the rest of the game. And then the uh, the Arizona game was just awful. Like yeah, it from was just start to finish, it was all trash. around bad. Yeah, all around bad. It was just, Unacceptable. So. Unacceptable. And and I think the defenseman as a whole last night played a lot better as well. I thought Nick Hag had a really good bounce back game last night considering how many how many mistakes that we've seen him make. And that's not that's not trying to be like, oh, Nick Hag is bad and he's not gonna turn out. He's right. a, he's twenty years old and he's and he and he's playing he was playing big time minutes and still is, is playing some some big minutes, but you're, you can see that he's starting to settle in a little bit. He was a lot less frantic in the defensive zone last night. Yep. Derek Englund was a lot less frantic last night, I thought. And just overall... Well, there was that two-on-one goal. And it, sure. granted, it's a two-on-one. Sure. But, like, England was out of position. Yep. Um, Haig didn't do the best job of, yep. of I guess, covering that two-on-one. But still, I mean... He's a rookie. It's a two-on-one. That's not an easy play to defend, so right. I'm not going to get And at the end of the day, it. if you can outscore the other team, it doesn't matter if you give up a bad two-on-one as long as you make up for that fact. Right. But in general— He did get his first point last night. He did get he his did. first point. Breakouts were much cleaner. Tape-to-tape uh, -tape passing last night, which was completely missing in that Arizona game on— yeah. Was that Thursday? Uh, the Knights play the Kings tonight at 7 p.m., just a couple hours from now. So we're going to try to get this up to you guys. Just something for you to kind of chew on as you guys uh, prepare for that matchup. Another Pacific Division game tonight. And the Kings, I believe, played as well last night. I'm going to double-check that. Yeah, they destroyed. Uh, no, they didn't destroy, but they, they I, I'd say they handily beat the Predators. Yeah, 7-4. to four, yep. They beat the Predators. So they're going to be rolling. Obviously, both of them are playing back-to-backs. So it'll be a little bit of a different feel than probably last night. Uh, probably not oh. as high energy, no, but we'll see. Real quick, another player that I like be. I can't believe I didn't. This wasn't the first name that came to mind. Will Carrier was great last night. Oh, how he was, he was so, so good. good. He was so much that, fun. That backhand goal it was that awesome, he scored, right? Dude, that, that and, was, and that, that fourth sweet. line in general last night did such yeah. a good job. Of, Ryan Reeves, Ryan Reeves scored. scores a goal, but the thing on that, purpose, and the thing that they were doing so well even early on before the Knights really found their footing, better than any of the other three lines, is that they were dominating play in the offensive zone. So their the forecheck was relentless. Their forecheck was night. relentless, yeah. but they were dominating down either. low. They were yeah. they, they, The Flames couldn't, like, they might be able to corral the puck for a second, but then somebody was there to bump them off and then right. regather it. Right. And then you have Carrier, who's coming in on that backhand goal. I think, was that the third goal of the game, I think? Oh, man. Third or fourth? No, Stone was third. I want to say his was the fourth. I think his was the fourth. No, nope, yep, no. Yep. No, I fourth have him. Fourth was Stastny, wasn't it? One. Carrier was was three. Stasny okay, was four. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Carrier just comes in, busts down the slot to basically, as was it was it Reeves that fed him or was it, uh, here it is, Carlson. Carlson fed him after winning that battle down low. Goes, just bats it in right, right on the short side. Perfect. Yeah. yeah, William Carlson behind the net. Huge. Just that nice little feed to the yep. front of the crease. Huge. And, um, that nice backhander. So he was great. Um that uh, and I can't remember which play it was. I I want to say, no, it wasn't that goal. I can't remember which goal it was, but there was one goal where Ryan Reeves kept the puck in 
at the blue line. Mm-hmm. And he made a nice little save there and dumped the puck back He's deep into the He's looked really zone. good to start the season. R- Reeves? Yeah. I uh, I don't – I wouldn't say he looks good. Good. He looks solid last night, I'd say. I'm just like in awe of him and as a as a hockey player in general because and and Reeves, he's not gonna blow anybody's doors off in terms of like yeah. hands or speed or anything else. But the fact that well, he, right. he he moves as well as he does for his size yeah. comparatively to other big guys in the league, yeah, he does how well, well he skates. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous how well he skates and how much speed he's able to maintain, even when he's going into corners, even when he's being bumped around, which is his job. Like that's the fourth line's job is to contain the the opposition in their zone and tire them out. So when your first line jumps on, they're either getting a late change or getting tired legs against, and thus creating a much better scoring situation or just a, an easier or softer defensive zone. Uh, for the Calgary Flames or whoever they happen to be playing. Now. Right. I, I I know that this isn't the 90s anymore and fighting isn't like as like much of a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. But man, like I'd be lying if I didn't say or if I said that I didn't want to see Lucic sure. and Reeves go at it. I, like, they, just, what, they got four, three more games against the Flames this yeah, year? I just, I'm sure it'll come up. Oh, Reeves and Lucic would be just so much fun. God, you the, know, the, the two, true heavyweights. The two big heavy, yeah, yeah. yeah. It would just, and I know like fighting isn't great. Like no. it's it is fun, though. No, it's, it's part of the game. Yeah, it's still yeah. part of the game, and it always will be part of the game, no matter how small it is. It's 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 a necessary evil sometimes to, for players to police within themselves. Yeah, uh, be, because uh, the refs can't control everything; they can't catch everything. Like there were a couple a couple uh, a plays last night where people were trying to slew foot people last night, and if you don't know what a slew foot means, means when somebody kind of gives you a attack yeah. or, or attack a tap in the back of the legs or tries to take you out by making you basically Trip. fall backwards yeah, yeah. And because when you kick the back of the skate you don't see it coming obviously and on the blade you're only on three inches of of, of blade to the ice you go back and that's how that's how knees are, are are injured very badly and and that's where those fights come in or against players that are superstars that are getting beat up like Wayne Gretzky doesn't become Wayne Gretzky without the muscle around him. Exactly. It's very necessary. I think, like, so I've seen, obviously I've seen the T-Mobile Arena fired up a lot. Yes. So I think the the craziest, the three moments that immediately come to my mind, and that I have attended, I have not, I did not attend the home opener, like, mm-hmm. in their inaugural season, so, yep. like, I'm sure it was just, I can't even imagine what it was. No, like, it was probably nuts. But um, the three games that I've been to, and, like, I've seen the crowd get truly insane Top three. One would be the Shea Theodore over or, uh, one-time goal against the uh, Lightning in their inaugural yep. season with like two seconds to go or something. Yep. Second would be Nate Schmidt scoring that goal late against the Washington Capitals last season. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I believe that was the go-ahead goal. And then when Ryan Reeves and Evander Kane dropped the gloves. Yeah. They were losing their minds. Yeah. During the playoffs when they finally dropped the gloves and went at it. It was like, it's just it fires up the crowd. It's, yeah. It really is fun. So, like, I don't know. One <laughs> of the best rivalries in sports. I was reading an yeah. article from, I don't know what publication or what article it was, but it was from somebody who is someone, and they were talking about, like, some of the great rivalries that they have that they've been able to kind of generate the NHL, uh, not necessarily through the playoff matchup system like they had originally thought, where they they have divisional opponents face off in the first round. It's, I, it's completely dumb, and we can delve deep into yeah, that some yeah. other day. Uh, but they said... That's the best rivalry, hands down, is the Sharks right now, and Knights. Right now, it's not It's close. not even close. No. And it's it's so weird how that... You in, still have all those people saying, like, well, Flyers-Penguins. Yeah, and, and like, like Montreal and Boston. We're like, yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. Flyers like, and Penguins don't care about each other 
at all no, anymore. Like, no, I posted I posted a, a video of Josh uh, of Josh Jacobs, the running back for the Raiders last right, night, yeah. who who did the siren. And I posted, I was like, "Hey, he's he's doing the siren to start off the game here." I had Sharks people g- going into my mentions for that, being like, "Oh, you guys still suck," because obviously Oakland. Yeah, right. Raiders, exactly. San Jose, all there are a lot of Raiders fans in that in that part of California, and I'm and and so it's just this constant grinding because of the proximity. But it's so weird because I'm sure the NHL probably if you asked them five six years ago, what do you think the biggest rivalry in ho- hockey would be? I don't think they would say it's definitely going to be a California team versus a team that doesn't exist yet. And this is exactly what hockey in the needs. desert, yes, hockey needs this. absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely, and <sighs> especially with teams that aren't traditional powers and traditional yeah. hockey markets, like. Like a rivalry like this, I feel like a lot of people always, you know, talk about joke around with the Coyotes saying, oh, they're going to get relocated to Houston or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like rivalries like this. And if the the Coyotes, I'm telling you, I know the Coyotes aren't amazing. There's right no now. bad blood yet. Yeah. I know they're not amazing right now and they're not. But if they get good. There could be some sick rivalries. Like oh, the Pacific yeah. Division has some really awesome rivalries. Absolutely. And just the proximity of, of the way they, they travel and everything else. Yeah. And, and a lot of these guys stay out here in the offseason as well because it is so. this is such a nice part right. of the country. Kings, Flames, Flames, Canucks. You remember yeah. not too long ago, uh, Canucks and Flames were like brawls. Yeah, well, other... I mean, the Kings and the and the Flames played the other night, and you have the yeah, t- and you have Dowdy. and, and Dowdy. Yeah, yeah it's that's great. the thing, and and it's great, and it's it's a it's a good look for the league. It's good to have that competition. Sometimes it's going to boil over once in a while, especially when the when the Sharks and Knights are involved. Mm-hmm. But it's all in good fun, even when you legitimately don't like each other. Right. But we'll have to see. Like I said, Knights are facing off against the Kings in just a few hours from now. We're recording this on Sunday, October 13th at almost 2 p.m. We're going to cut it a little bit short because we have more stuff to produce for content-wise. But we're going to get this up today so you guys can, like I said, chew on this as you go through your pregame routines and rituals that we all do. So we appreciate you joining the Nightcap. My name is Lindsay Brown, your host, always and forever. You can find all of our great Vegas Golden Knights and NHL-related content on cbssportsradio1140.radio.com. Ryan, thank you again for joining me. Absolutely. Can you remind us one more time where we can find all of your excellent content? At RP underscore Quiggs on Twitter. That was very loud. Yep, that's that's me. That's it? That's it. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, at Nights on Ice, at Hockey Wilderness, all that fun stuff. Go ahead. Follow. Retweet. All the, all the things. Let's grow it. That's right. Grow it and mow it. That's what I always say. Thanks again, everyone. We'll catch you next time. Bye.